Next Sunday is going to be Valentine's Day. It's actually Valentine's Day on Sunday. And I, I'm, I'm really not sure what Valentine's Day is all about. All I know is you give candy and you give nice cards. And if you forget, you're in trouble. Okay? And it's another way for people to sell chocolate. I mean, that's what it is. But let me say this. It's a good time to think about, hey, who, who we love, who loves us. And it's a good time to th just think about the family. And I usually don't know uh, ahead of time what I'm going to preach on. But I think next Sunday I'm going to, I don't have a title, but I'm, I'm going to kind of think, uh, just talk about the pattern, God's pattern for marriage and for the family. And, um, and just talk about what is God's pattern for marriage? What is God's pattern for the family? What, what is God's plan? Did God instruct us? Does God give us guidance? Does God give us truth that we can build a solid foundation on? He does. So you pray about that, and we'll just ask the Lord to, uh, to minister to us as we talk about the wonderful thing called the family. And as the family goes, so goes the church and the nation. You know, every week I ask God to give me a word. And um, it was a Thursday. And I said, Lord, you know Sunday's coming. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's just amazing. I was sitting upstairs at uh, my desk. And, 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 and you know, I, I know people say, well, you know, God doesn't really speak like yeah, you. Don't tell me how God speaks. I know how God speaks, okay? He said, I want you to go through the book of First John. And I want you to write down, I want you to put scriptures down for three things. One, write down all the scriptures that speak of God's love for you and me. And I said, okay, scriptures for, about God's love for us. Then the second thing the Holy Spirit said to me, look in First John for all the scriptures that talks about our love for God. God's love for us, but then our love for God. And then the third thing he said, look for all the scriptures that talk about our love for others, our love for people. I'll tell you what blew me away. And it really did. I had never seen this before. And it's going to blow you away. The Bible speaks clearly in 1 John about God's love for us. But you know what I found in that book? The Bible says that our love for God is expressed and revealed in our love for others. That the way you know you really love God is the way you love people. And it blew me away. I mean, over and over again, over and over again, I, well, I'll just show you the scripture. We'll just, I won't, uh, but, but I'm telling you, the Bible's clear about God's love for us in 1 John, but then it just says, but let me tell you, the way you know you love God is because you love people. I said, okay. And I got to thinking about the importance of love. And you know that great, great passage? I, I tell you, I believe, I believe it's almost a song when, when Paul wrote it. He, he'd been talking about, in Corinthians, he'd been talking about spiritual gifts. And he'd been talking about the fact that we were in the family of God. And that we each need to use the spiritual gift that we have. And that we're all members of God's family. One may be a hand, one may be an eye, one may be a foot. But we're all part of the family. And every part of God's family is important. Every part of the body is important. And he's talked about spiritual gifts. And he's talked about the family. But then, just like, like he just got into a zone in the spirit, he said, but 
Let me tell you about that. I thought about that. He said, it's all in vain unless we love each other. It don't matter unless everything we do is done in love. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read the first three verses. He says, now listen to what Paul, he's been talking about gifts and family and importance. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. See, it doesn't matter how well eloquent I am. If I don't love people, it's just like a clanging cymbal. Then he went on and said, and though I have the gift of prophecy, well, that's a big gift. The Bible says it's the greatest of the spiritual gifts. Do I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains. Wow, mountain-moving faith. But have not love. He said, I'm nothing. Then he went ahead and said, though I, I, though I give all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And then he makes an amazing statement in the 13th verse. And he said, and well, this is strong. And now abides faith. That's important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now abides faith, hope. Hope is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And though I have Though I have, and now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. Well, they are the big three. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. The greatest of these is love. Man. And so I thought about that, and then I just began to go through 1 John. And the first thing I knew I was supposed to do is to write down God's love for us. And so let's look at it. It'll be on the screen for you. I'm going to see if I can find it in my Bible. It's 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now, the, this is speaking of God's love for you and me. And it's almost like the beloved disciple John who laid his head on the breast of Jesus and who was there at the cross with his mother, John, Jesus, the Mary, who wrote the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's almost like he had a little flashback. And listen to what he said in verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He said, I marvel at the love God has given us. It's almost like he had a flashback. You know, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. He said, it amazes me that God saved me out of my sin. He saved me out of my darkness. He saved me out of the broad road that leads to destruction. And in his great love, he made me his child. And he said, I am absolutely amazed at the love God has bestowed upon me and you that we should be called the children of God. Friend, that's great love. That's great love. I love it when we sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And so he says, what manner of love the fathers bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that's amazing love. It's glorious love. Then you go over in 1 John 3 and you verse, look at verse 16. And this is how much God loves you. 
By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. He went from marveling that God had made him one of his children, but then he went on to remembering how that happened. He said, the way I became one of God's children is that he laid down his life for me. What an amazing thing that God laid down his life. And then he said, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we talk about God's love for us. He loved us so much. He made us one of his children through faith in Jesus Christ. And the way he did that was he died on the cross, Jesus did, for our sins so that we could be forgiven and could be his child. You know, in 1 John 4, it's still talking about God's love for us. In 1 John 4, 7 through 11, it, it talks about our love for each other, but it talks about God's love for us. Listen to this. Beloved, I like that term. You know, and you know, I find myself, and sometimes I don't know people real well, and I say, Beloved, how are you doing? They look at me and say, What? That's a great word. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Woo. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Woo. It's talking about God's love for us. All right, now, you don't you, talk about how God loves you? He goes back to that thing of, of the cross, he said in verse 4. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. Well, how did God manifest his love toward you? How do you know he loves you? In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That is love. God sent his only begotten son. Here's love. God sent his only begotten son into the world that we could live through him, that we could have life and not death. And so he says, and this was manifested, the love of God. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Now listen to this. This is good. And this is love, not that we loved God. This is verse 10. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us before we ever, ever, ever loved God. He loved us. You didn't have to clean your life up for God to love you. You know what one of the most, <laughs> the greatest statements I've ever heard, and I, it just amazes me. Jesus Christ did not see you at your best and die for you on the cross. Jesus saw you at the absolute worst point in your life, the most wicked person you could ever be, and still went to the cross and died in your place. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. You know, the devil says, you're not good enough. And so you get this idea, well, I'll tell you what I do. I got to clean my life up. I, I got to quit doing this and quit doing that and quit doing this and quit doing that. Start doing this, start doing that. Now, I'm going to get my life cleaned up. And when I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place, then, then I'm going to really uh, go, go give my life to God and I'm going to start going to church. Let me tell you one thing. Until you meet Jesus, you can't get your life straightened out. Until you get Jesus, you won't be good enough. <laughs> my heavens, I, I tell you what. You know, I wasn't living right when I was in high school. And, and I'd ask God's forgiveness and all that stuff. And i say, I'll tell you one thing, Lord. I'm going to do better. And guess what? The next day I did worse. 
And I came to the conclusion, if it was left up to me, I'd never be any better. But hallelujah, it is not left up to me. It is the power of the Son of God in you and me that changes us and makes us a new creation in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. You don't have to do it. Jesus has already done it for you. All you got to do is turn your life over to him. And so it's talking about God's love for us. And this is love, not that we loved God. But he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That means substitute. That talks about the mercy seat. Like the mercy seat. Jesus' blood on the mercy seat for our sins. God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But you know what? He says, and he goes to the next verse. Well, if God so loved us, we ought to love each other. It's like just a, well, man, if God loved me like that, I sure need to love you. And so First John talks to us very clearly about God's love for us. Now, in First John 4.16, I want you to underline this verse in your Bible. And I want, you to, I want you to just think about this often. Because some of you, this is not true of. But I want it to be true. In 1 John 4.16, it says, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. I'm telling you, there are people who were never loved by their earthly father, maybe. Are never new earth, love, uh, earthly love in a family. There are people who've experienced rejection from this world in which we live, and they're hurt and they're wounded, and the devil's told them they're nothing and they're no good, and nobody cares about them and nobody loves them. And then you go up to them telling me, but let me tell you one thing. I want you to know this. God loves you as much as any person on the face of the earth. God loves you. If you just believe that. And his love will draw you to him. And it says here in verse 16. We have known and believed the love God has for us. Do you know how much God's loved you? And do you believe it? It, Do you know how much God loves you? And do you believe it? If you do, say amen. Amen. And friend, when you know how much God loves you and you believe it, then you know that he's not ever going to abandon you. You may mess up. You may sin. You may fall in the ditch. But I'll tell you, God is the God who picks you up. And God is the God who cleans you up. And God is the God who lifts you up. I'll tell you, love does not forsake the person that it loves. We have known and believed the love God has for us. I love this. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in us. So 1 John says, let me tell you something. God loves you. He loves you. He's for you and he's not against you. You know, in Jesus on the cross is love at its highest. When you see Jesus on the cross, you see love at its highest. And then when you see the empty tomb, you see the triumph of love. Don't you love this chorus? Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. So, 1 John makes it clear. The breadth, the length, depth, and height of the love of God that is for you. And you receive it in repentance of sin and by faith in Jesus Christ. But now we go on to the second thing about our love for God. Somebody said, and it says in this, uh, in 1 John here in a moment, we love him because he first loved us. 
But what really blew me away was that 1 John says the evidence that we love God is the way we love people. He, he just keeps saying it. He just, you, you don't tell me you love God and you don't love people. I'm telling you, he just goes on and on and on. Our love for God is evidence in our love for other people. And it's a sign that we're truly saved. I, I mean, this is, I believe, the main message of the book of John. First John, that since God loves us and we love God, the way we show our love for God is by loving the people that were created in his image. And, and you know, uh, I'll get to this verse in a moment, but John was, was talking about, you say you love God? If you don't love people whom you have seen, how can you say you love God whom you've never seen? You say, well, you love God and you don't even love people. You've you, you never seen God, but you love him. But, but you don't love him. How can, how can you say that? Let, let's look at what he says about how our love for others is the evidence that we love God. 1 John 2 Three through five. I told you, you just told me to go through First John. You said, you're sure staying in that book. That's where he told me to stay. All right, here it is. All right, now th this is good stuff right here. Everything in the Bible is good stuff. Now, by this we know that we know him. Oh, how do I know I know God? If we keep his commandments. Who says I know him and does not keep his commandments? This is First John 2, 3, 4. Uh, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You say, I know him, but you don't obey him. You're lying. Whoever keeps his word, truly, the love of God is perfected in him. It's perfected in him. By this we know that we know him. Now, I want you to notice, John says, he's kind of, he's making a point, and this is a great point. He, and in verse 7 of chapter 2, he says, now, I'm giving you a new commandment. No, it's not a new commandment. It's an old one. But let, let's just see what he says. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. He said, now, I'm fixing to write you a, a commandment, but it's an old one, and you've had it from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. But now look, he changes and says in verse 8, no, again, a new commandment I'm writing unto you. Which thing is true, get this, in him, Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He said, I gave this commandment way long time ago. It's not new. But now that Jesus has come, now that Jesus has come, and the new light is now shining, it, we understand it in a new way. And in the sense that Jesus has come, and the new light is shining, and the darkness is passing away, that this is a new word a new commandment that I've given to you. All right, keep your finger there, and I'm going to, well, you've not even got your Bible open. But anyway, 1 John three twenty three. I want you to listen to this. He, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. But stuck right over here, go, he jumps over a chapter, and boy, in the 23rd verse, I love this. You say, well, Brother Fred, uh, what is the new commandment, or what is the commandment? And I'm looking at verse 23 of John 3, 1 John 3. And this is the commandment. I'm listening, Lord. This is the commandment that we should, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, he, he's, he's going to be talking about love. He said, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, the, the bottom line on this commandment is, the new commandment is that you should believe in Jesus. You should believe on the name of the Son of God. And as you should love one another as he gave us commandment. He says, this is a commandment that you believe on the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and that you love one another as he's commanded. 
All right, so go back over, and let's look at this new commandment. Chapter 2, verse 7. Okay, the, the evidence that we love God and know it is that we love one another. Okay, so in chapter 2, verse 7, listen to what it says. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you. I've already read that. Again, in verse 8, a new commandment I write to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is shining. All right, now here we are in verse 8. He that says that he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness unto now. If you, see, see, the new light has shined. Jesus has come. And, and, and if you say you're in the light, but you hate your brother, he says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves, in, now go on, he who loves his brother abides in the light. The evidence that you're walking in the light, that Jesus is in the light, that you love people. Who says, who, he who loves his brother abides in the light, and guess at this, I love it. There is no cause of stumbling in him. You know, if you don't love people, if you don't love a person, then that means you dislike them. And the Bible uses the word hate. I mean, that's a strong word, but, but you don't love them. You know, if there's an occasion of stumbling in you, you will stumble. You'll stumble because you don't love them. You'll find fault in them. You'll never see the good in them. You'll stumble, he says. But if you love your brother, there's no cause for stumbling. If you love somebody, they're not going to cause you to stumble. And so he's talking about our love, for God is seen in our love for people. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know what is going on because his eyes have been blinded. Okay, so we're talking about the way that we know we love God. We've already talked about God's love for us. It's amazing. But now I'm talking about how we know we love God. It's because we love people. Now, you know what the old commandment was? The old commandment was Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Can't you hear, as, as he speaks to the people, he says, now, I want you to understand. You understand the most important thing is that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay? That was back in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Moses. Well, let's go over now. To Jesus. And in Matthew 22, verse 24, Jesus is going to put some light on this new commandment. He's going to put some light on it about loving each other. And the way we know we love God is that we love each other. You say, Brother Fred, that's easy for you to say, but some people are hard to love. <laughs> yes, you are, aren't you? At times, we're all hard to love, you know. But we won't spend a lot of time there. We'll move on. <laughs> In Matthew 22, Jesus talks about the new commandment, and it's in verse uh, 34. All right, it, it, here we go. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, why did they tell us he was a lawyer? I thought lawyers helped people who had wrecks, but let me go on. Do you see all those advertisements? If you had a wreck, call me. I don't want to have a wreck. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. 
saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Well, that was the one given back in Deuteronomy. Well, it hadn't changed, but Jesus expands on it. He says, he said to them, Jesus said to them, Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. It is great. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what's important. On this hangs all the law and the prophets. You know what Jesus said? If you want to keep the word of God, if you want to keep it, here's the way you do it. First of all, by the power of God and the grace of God, you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then what you do is, the second's just like unto it, you, you love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, did you know all the word of God is based on that? You know, I, I tell you, I am so thankful that the Bible is such a unity. And what Jesus said was so, so true. And, and you wonder why God gave the Ten Commandments. You wonder why he gave that to the people, knowing that they could not keep it until they got saved. The law, instead of converting them, condemned them because they couldn't keep it. It showed them their need for a Savior. But I want to tell you something. The Ten Commandments, obeying them by the power of the Spirit, all the Word of God hangs on that. Did you know that? All your obedience to God. In Exodus 20, and it, it'll be up on the screen, but I want to. In Exodus 20, the first four commandments talk about our love for God. Now, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, the first four commandments talk about our love for God. All right? So let's say it says in Exodus 20, verse 2, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You love God with all your mind, heart, mind, soul, and strength. You have no other gods. You have no other gods before me. That's loving God. You shall not make to yourself any carved image. All the people in those days had, had bales and they had elephants and they had carved images, all those kind of things, you know. They, all, they had images of false gods. And God says, no, now I want you to know, I'm spirit, they that worship me in spirit and in truth. So don't you try to make any statue, I'm talking about an idol, that, that, um, that represents me. He said, you shall not make unto you any graven image, any likeness of anything. So that shows our love for God. And then he says um, in uh, verse f 7, he says, no other gods before me. Love me with all your heart. No graven images. You, you, I'm, I'm, I'm the invisible God. I'm spirit. He said, don't you try to, I, nobody, I've never seen anybody try to make a picture of the Father. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. And, and I don't mind if somebody has a picture of Jesus. We don't know what he looked like, but we do know he was in a human body. But we'll go on from there. But here's the third thing. Don't take God's name in vain. So all this is about loving God. No other gods before me, no graven image, and do not take the name, my name, in vain. And it's more than cursing God. It's more than cursing him. It's taking his name and misrepresenting who he is. Do you understand? Don't say, I'm a Christian, if you hate people. Don't say, I'm a Christian, if you don't love people. Don't take God's name in vain. I remember the great journal Alexander was trying to conquer the world, and he had a young man in his army that was not courageous and was afraid to fight. And Alexander heard of him, and he called him in and said, Young man, what is your name? He said, Alexander. He looked at him and said, Change your conduct or change your name. He said, I'm not a coward. 
And if you're going to have that name, you can't be a coward. Hey, listen, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? It means you can say it, but also you can mean you can say you know him and deny it by your life. But then, and then the fourth one, he says, worship me, worship me. So the first four commandments are loving God. No other gods before me, no graven images. Don't take my name in vain. Be, when you speak of me, speak by your life of who I am. And don't you quit worshiping me. The church chose to worship on Monday, on Saturday, on Sunday. The old, and under the law, they chose to worship on, which is Saturday. But over in the New Testament, it said it doesn't matter the day. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we worship on Sunday. Okay. But now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You say, okay, Brother Fred, I understand that if I love God, I won't ha- I'll have no other gods before him. I won't have any image that I bow down to, and I will not take his name in vain, and I will worship him. But then the last six are all about the way you love people. Jesus said, on these hang all the law and prophets. He said, if you keep the Ten Commandments by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've, you've obeyed God's word. Now I want to show you something. let's let's take the last six and I'll just make a statement and and, and answer it. It says says in verse um, 12, honor your father and mother. That's loving people. You see, you, you, you know, your biological father or mother, you can honor them even if they were not honorable. They brought life, they gave you life and brought you into this world. So you can honor them as the people who gave birth to you, did not abort you, that gave you life. So you can honor parents that even were not honorable in the sense that they gave you life. But it goes on to say, honor your father and mother that your days may be long enough. So that's loving people. All right, look at the next verse. You shall not murder. Let me ask you a question. Will you murder somebody if you love them? No, you won't even hate them. You won't murder anybody if you love them. So love is the fulfillment of the law. So honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. I'm going to ask you a question. If you love a man, would you commit adultery with his wife? If you love a woman, would you commit adultery? I got that confused. But anyway, really I did. I, I See, if you love somebody, you're not going to commit adultery with a husband. If you love somebody, you're not commit adultery with a wife. Anyway, I'm just saying you're not going to violate marriage if you love somebody. All this means if it's all about loving people. You're not going to murder somebody if you love them. You're not going to commit adultery with somebody if you love them. You're not going to steal from somebody if you love them. You're not going to do that. You shall not steal. It says, you shall not bear felt witness. Guess what? You're not going to lie to people if you love them. You see, all of this is it's just wrapped in one thing. Well, if, because I love you, I'm not going to murder you. I'm not going to commit adultery with anybody related to you. I'm not going to steal from you. Why? Because I love you. It's all based on love. Then it goes on and says, I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm not going to covet what you have. I'm going to say, I should have got that. They shouldn't. So I'm saying to you, and the Bible says in Romans 8, that those who keep the Ten Commandments are those who are filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has given us victory over the law of sin and death. And it talks about that we're able to keep the, the commandments because that we're filled and walk in the Spirit. So, what am I saying to you? The way that we know we love God is that we love people. Warts and all. We love people. And um, how, do, how, how do we express our love for people? Let, let me show you something. And then I'm, I'm about to wind this up, but I want to show you something. 
Over in 1 John 2, 7 through 11, this is a very strong statement about how we know if we really love people. Okay, I'm I'm just going to tell you what it says. 1 John 2, 7 through 11. Um, I think that's the right one. Let me see. 1 John 2. No, that is not it. But I, I'm getting close to it. Hold on just a minute. Um, maybe it's three. Let me see. But I know what it is. Um, let me see. Three. Let me see what three seven is. Well, it, let me tell you what it says. Um. He talks about the fact that whoever sees their brother and has need, and his brother has need, and he um, has no compassion on him, doesn't love him, doesn't reach out to help meet that need, uh, then um, how can he say the love of God dwells in you? It's a powerful verse there, and I cannot understand. It's only five chapters in this book. It's three what? Three thirteen. Three seventeen. Thank you so much. All right, now this is it. I love it. All right, we'll go back to verse 16. By this we know we love him because he laid down his life for us. Okay. We ought to lay down our life for each other. Okay, I'm not going to be selfish. He laid down his life for me, so I'm going to lay down my life for others. I'm not going to live a selfish, self-centered life. He says, all right, and then he goes on and says, Whoever has this world's goods, sees his brother in need, shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Here's someone that because of things that have occurred in their life. They're not able to work. They have been unable to make a living. And so you see they have need. And he said, well, and you see your brother have need and you shut up your heart against him. How can you say the love of God abides in you? Then it says, little children, don't just tell people you love them. Show them. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. Don't love in word or in tongue, but indeed, indeed, and in truth. Just don't tell people you love them. Love them in action. Do it. Show it. Manifest it. Do what you can. And it says, by this we know we're of, of the truth and assure our hearts before him. Now, I, I, I'm going to show you how. The Bible says that if we love God, we're going to love people. And we'll fulfill the law of God. And the way we show that we love people is we see people who have need. We reach out to them. We love them. If it's emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual, doesn't matter. We love them and we're not, we give of ourselves. We lay down our life for them. We lay down our life for them, okay? Like Jesus laid down his life for us. And he says, if you do that, you're going to have confidence at the judgment day. That's what he says in 1 John. Now, if you do this, when you stand before God in judgment, you will have confidence. You will have confidence. Okay? I know why I couldn't find that. I was on the wrong page. But anyway, let me show you something. Let me show you something. When we love people not just with our words, but with our hearts, And it may be that you just care enough about them to listen to them. It may be that you just love them enough to call them. It may be that you love them enough to help meet a need in their life. But but you do love them. And you're not so absorbed within your own little world that you won't break out and let God's love go through you to them. And the way we know love God when we love his people. Well, is it important? that we put feet to our love. 
Is it important that it's love in action? Okay. This just, because he says in 1 John, if you love people and you love them in deed and truth, your heart is not going to condemn you. Your heart's not going to condemn you. Even if the devil tries, you know, you know, uh, you're not going to do it. I love people. I love God. I, I mean, and so you're not going, the devil's not going to bet. Your heart's not going to condemn you. And he says, you'll have confidence in the day of judgment. Well, what in the world has loving people and meeting their needs, what has that got to do about the judgment day? What's it got to do about that? We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When I saw the parallel between that and John and what's in Matthew 25, I said, you know, Jesus is telling us here the real evidence that we know God and the real evidence that we're saved and the real evidence that Jesus Christ lives in us is seen in the way we treat people. So, Matthew 25, and I want you to look at verse 31. Okay. All right, here it is. When the Son of this is Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. Then the king shall say to them, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And then he's going to say, there was a time you realized you were a sinner, you repented of your sins, you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's a given. We know that's how you get there. But no, that's not what he said. He said, he said, uh, says, the king shall say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, that inherit the kingdom prepared, prepared for you for the foundation of the world. And then he says, but now, for I was hungry. And gave me some food. Is that important? I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Then the righteous shall say to him, Lord, uh, we'll answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we t- see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we s- see you sick or in prison and come to you? Well, Lord, I remember that. He said, wait a minute. He said, and the king will answer and say, assuredly I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, not the greatest of these, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. And they they said, now inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know what he said there? Evidence that you know me, evidence that you've repented of your sins and I've come to live in you, evidence that uh, you're living and walking in the Spirit is, you see, your love for me is seen in your love for people. It's seen in the way you treat people. It's seen in the way you treat people. He said, that's the way you know you love me, because if you love me, you love people. And you won't just love them with your mouth. You'll love them with your hands and your feet and your heart. Now, if all I do is give a man some food and some water and some clothes and a place to stay and don't tell him about Jesus 
And don't tell him that he needs to repent of his sin and ask God's forgiveness and receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He may go to, he'll go to hell fed and not thirsty and clothed. That's not it. You see, you know one way we earn the right? And we don't have to earn it. But you know one thing that opens the door for us to tell people about Jesus? Is they're hungry, and we feed them they're thirsty, and we give them something to drink, and they're naked, and we get them some clothes, and they're sick, and we visit. Why are you doing this for me? You don't even really know me that well. Why are you doing this? What is all this stuff of helping? Helping. That's not the way the world is. The world's selfish. And, well, what is this thing of doing this for me? Well, i tell you why. Because God loves you. And I love you. Well, why do you love me? Because God loves me. God's love is in my heart. And so his love in me is for you. And so the reason we do all this is because we love you, but, but also we love you enough to tell you that you must repent of your sins. You must turn from your sins by God's power. You must invite Christ to come and live inside of you and experience eternal life. You know what First John showed me? It reminded me of how much God loves you and me. But you know what it showed me? The way I really know that I love God is when I love the people that God created in his image. And I express that love whatever way God tells me to. And I want to say one thing. People should never have to look to the government when they're in need. They ought to be able to look to the church. You said, Brother Fred, if people are sorry and won't work, God said if they don't work, they won't eat, okay? But what, what about people who are doing the best they can? They're really trying. Man, the least that we could do is just to sh- let God's love reach out to them, and then they'll go from being touched physically till God has a right to get into their life spiritually. God loves us and the way we know love God, we love God is the way we love people.